talking as if the podcast is recording. I am now recording, so anything you say. Maybe yeah, don't clam up. Maybe I've got nothing to say. <laughs> I have nothing. Nope. Oh, stage fright. Nobody's done anything. Nobody's got anything to talk about. One thing. Yeah, anything happening? <laughs> whoever's whoever's on, on one of you is is rubbing against your mic or touching your mic. Uh, it's, not, just... it's not a euphemism. <laughs> oh, I was, I can... I'm masturbating, mate. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you you actually are on video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this is what I do with my data. <laughs> while away the hours. <laughs> <laughs> the minutes. I while away the minutes. Um. Right, who, who, I was moving my mic. Start recording now. Yeah, so don't, don't move the mics at all. You get a little okay. f- feedback. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll start with you, Paul. Um, you were one of the first to cast Doom on the, in the Premier League season when the news first came out about COVID, weren't you, from, uh, from China? Was it late January, early Feb? I don't know. I think um, it's one of those things, I think it gets earlier every time I retell it. So I think I predicted it in something like November 2019. <laughs> but now it's it, it just weird. I just thought, well, if this is all going on in China and they're kind of, you know, um, shutting down parts of the country, why, you know, why can't it spread elsewhere? And so I asked, you know, what's what's the protocol for cancelling, you know, or postponing a season or delaying a season? And, I think I asked on TTT. I, I can't remember if I tweeted about it, but I didn't really get any response at all. And I think <laughs> a few people perhaps thought I was, um, you know, just just being a kind of the the voice of doom or something. But yeah, it just seemed it just seemed odd to, you know, it just struck me as a possibility. And therefore, what was the, you know, I mean, if for various there could be various natural disasters that could bring a season to a halt um but it seems there was no actual um legislation in place to you know what what the what the protocol is so yeah that was all a bit you had wimbledon of course had uh took out an insurance on it didn't they yes two million pound a year um they paid it for 17 years and got 150 odd million pound payout but then, the, and only, then get... the only people I've heard of with any foresight. Yeah, I mean, you think of all. Um, I know the Icelandic volcano, which I'm interested in, in 2010, obviously that affected air travel and obviously affected Liverpool. Is it the, the, did you have to go by coach to and train to Atletico Madrid? Was it? Mm. Um, but that wasn't a, that wasn't a major oh. volcano, and if if in the past, you know, there's been such such bad volcanoes in the 1700s that that the entire um, you know the, the skies across Europe and the world were blackened for a year or two. You know, temperatures dropped, no crops were able to be grown, things like that. So there's kind of a ton of natural disasters that um, you know that, that, that could happen. Um, you know, that might be happen one every hundred years or something. When when did Chris when and Bees, when did you two start to realise that it was going to one maybe stop the football or two affect your in, your income and your jobs? Because it has done for you, hasn't it? Yeah, it has a bit. Um <clears throat> I was supposed to be having a, a birthday party on the 
21st of March. And the weekend before, um, me and my friend who we were having the joint party, we were sort of like, oh, it'll probably be all right. We can still have a have a party next Saturday because obviously it started becoming a bit of a thing. But then it soon became apparent after that that, no, it definitely can't have a party. And then two days after that, they announced the lockdown. So, um, yeah, obviously, as a, as a football writer, it's uh, it's not a great time uh, because there's no football no. to write about. Um, I've been quite fortunate. I've been um, taken on as freelance by Reach PLC, who own various newspapers, um, like the Daily Mirror as a national, but they own a lot of the um, local papers like Liverpool Echo, Manchester Evening News, Newcastle yeah. Chronicle, things like that. So um, I've been doing shifts for them. So um, I just basically sit and write articles for eight hours, whatever they... I mean, I can make suggestions, I can pitch ideas, but yeah, they'll say, do an article on this, do an article on that, and it could pop up anywhere across their sort of various network of uh, of papers. So I've got a couple of shifts... Don't give, don't give Paul any <laughs> no, ideas. No, exactly. Don't give Paul any ideas. Um, so, yeah, so um, I'm sort of doing two shifts a week with them, which is really good because that's sort of like a, a guaranteed um, yeah. little bit of money coming in every week. And then obviously doing little bits and bobs, uh, Tompkins Times, obviously. But um, I've also just finished an article on uh, the whole Hansi Cronje scandal, which was... Um, mm quite good because it took quite a lot of research it sort of kept me occupied and it's different from the sort of thing I normally do so I mean that was kind of ideal um but obviously there's only so many of those you can do because there's quite a lot of research goes into it to to get a good article and stuff but um yeah I mean obviously a lot of my sort of regular stuff was writing match reviews for the the echo so that's all gone I'm writing match previews for Paddy Power mainly and obviously that's all gone until football comes back and uh Obviously, um, you know, Paul's kindly kept us on at Tompkins Times, but there's just not all that much to write about because because nothing's going on. So um, I'm kind of sort of muddling along and I'm sort of waiting to see what assistance I'll get from the government when that all sorts out. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just odd. The, the sort of lockdown hasn't been that weird for me in that I work from home anyway. So being at home every day isn't isn't that strange for me in that sense but um yeah it's just it's just weird having a sort of lack of things to do and a lack of sort of um a lack of routine like um you know what day of the week is it and what's happening and oh well at least the football's on saturday oh no it isn't you know it's that sort of just every day is the same so it's quite it's quite odd but i'm sort of muddling along anyway it is quite difficult it is difficult to win with the data chris what about what about you when did it start to because well, you had we, the flooding we, in we did Hebden Bridge, did. didn't you yeah before? um yeah that happened in sort of back end of november and it sort of just rained and rained and rained for weeks and then eventually there's a torrential sort of flood that closed a lot of the pubs cafes shops you know all the and a lot of people got flooded out and of course they, a lot of them still weren't back when when the lockdown started so they're now locked down in temporary accommodation wherever that happens to be um before they could get back to their homes I mean, it's going to take sort of six months to a year for their homes to be ready so there's a lot of people like business you know businesses and and sort of re- private residents who, who have been really badly affected you know there were some businesses which had just started up um within weeks you know they've been flooded out and now they've got this um so there's a lot of people going to be in trouble you know a lot of places were already closed before before coronavirus arrives because of the flooding you know um so in that sense we got a bit of a you know a bit of an early warning of what it was going to be like 
not for the first time, of course, but um, in this area. But, um, you know, there were probably a third of the places were still closed from the floods. Um, you know, when coronavirus struck. So you've had floods and plague. Mm, yes, basically, yeah. And you should see the locusts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, God doesn't like Hebden Bridge. No, 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 he's jealous. <laughs> don't, don't tell yeah. that to the right-wingers in America. Because it's, 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 yeah. it's yeah. <laughs> not the sort of tourism we want. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, it, yeah, it was, it's, it's very strange, you know, and... Um, the fact that it was sort of half locked down before before the virus came um, through through flooding, um, and some places that you know still had a lot of work to do to get back into a position to reopen, um, but I guess they would be hoping to be back around now. Normally, it was in about six months between the flooding and when they were going to be able to come back, um, which would be up around about now. So. Um, you know, but obviously that that won't be in most cases. Well, I was gonna I was gonna say, Paul, because all all yeah. four of us work from home, so in terms of just staying at home, it doesn't have that much of a difference. But you've been completely in isolation, haven't you now, for quite a while, and that involves like your family coming over and you're not and you and leaving things and not being able to see yeah. and talk to them and. It's just very surreal. I've been to. I went to the very early stages. Went to visit my friend, who was get, who I was taking some deliveries. And as it turns and transpires, I shouldn't have been doing that. But I was I was doing it to him and just looking at him and shouting through the window. And it's just these surreal kind of interactions. Yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I've, I've got. Um, well, I suffer with ME, which I've had for twenty plus years. It's not severe, but it's also. Um, you know, it's it's enough to um, you know limit my life in some ways, and I've also got asthma. Um, so, so yeah, I decided to to lock down um, a bit before, you know, might be a week before. So I think I'm on fact on like 45 days now, and then I sat out in the garden on the first nice, you know, first nice day of the year, and then about 20 minutes later struggling to breathe so i had an asthma attack in, a, in you know in addition to having like a sinus uh, infection and just feeling you know generally ropey so i had the doctors monitoring me for for a week but i don't i don't think it was um covid-19 but you know i felt pretty i felt pretty grim sorry who's having a bath while i'm talking <laughs> who knows? <laughs> who knows mute 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 damn it um and yeah, so um, so yes, yeah, so I've been um, you know, so I'm feeling a bit better from, from from that. Still not great, but just you know, being at home, being in the house for 45 days. I would normally sort of pop to the shops. Um, I think I wouldn't go far during a week. I'd go and pick my son up from school. Um, so I'm not, you know, he's he was doing his A levels, so you know, he's 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 not a kid anymore. Um, but now it's just yeah i've just been indoors um my mum's in her 80s but she's still she's still as fit as a fiddle she goes out does her shopping and then she'll just drop some stuff in for me so i she'll sit in the porch while i'm in the in the house um same with my son i do some online gaming with my son a couple of couple of hours a week 
um and it, it might pop some stuff down for me but yeah apart from that i'm just uh, yeah furthest i've gone was to to the neighbors front doors to ask them to <laughs> to stop burning their, their <laughs> setting fire to, to to fence panels that have fallen down and the and having avenger turned up at their door <laughs> yeah looking like a crazy man with my m95 mask um you know not not realizing that kind of my polite smile was completely lost and all they could see was my angry eyes um and, you know, just literally you know I, so I, for about for about a week i couldn't breathe properly you know i wasn't having a sort of you know i needed hospitalization or anything but i couldn't breathe very well and then my neighbors various of my neighbors started having bonfires which you know everyone all the authorities were saying don't have bonfires you know what i mean um so so yeah so um but that yeah that's as far as i've been so i'm you know i'm i'm going slightly mad but no it's interesting you mentioned those bonfires you know i was talking to somebody around here there had been a few on this road yeah and uh, i talked to somebody who lived next door to somebody who'd had one um whilst i was out on my constitutional the other night and um he said that because this council does not collect garden rubbish and does not collect cardboard and what have you, people are having more and more stuff delivered from the likes of Amazon with cardboard packaging. Hmm. And they're basically burning stuff that they would normally get rid of to the tip. And they say, well, you know, it's better than chunking it in, you know, and sort of fly tipping, isn't it? Yeah. Um, he wasn't doing it. It wasn't him. It was his neighbour that was sort of constantly doing it. But he's burning, most of all, he's burning his garden waste. And the tip is closed. People normally have to take it to the tip. The council right. don't collect it. Um, you have to make. You either have to pay for a special collection, or just take it up to the tip, which is about three miles away. But the tip's closed, so I suspect a lot of it round here, anyway, is garden waste that's been because it's that time of year. You know, when people are doing loads in their gardens. Um, you said about Amazon, don't they collect? Um, but, um, don't you have re you know? Packaging, don't you have cardboard recycling and stuff? People aren't burning their cardboard, are they? Yeah, they are, yeah. Again, the council won't collect that either. Um, they're recycling. Surely they're recycling. No, they don't. They're not, not big. They'll do like a, 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 you know, like a cereal packet, you know, which you can put in like paper waste. But actual like chunky big pieces of cardboard, no, they won't. If you put it in your, you know, they'll just leave it. It's just there still when you, you know. Um, well, can't you rip it up it. and put it in? They won't do it. They just will not uh, take card, big, big sort of packaging cardboard. Um, the, the intricacies of Calderdale's recycling policy. It, it basically is that, and, and I guess it, <laughs> it varies from authority to authority. Obviously, what what they will and won't take. But I think round here, anyway, that explains why there have been a few. I think most of it's garden rubbish, but some of it is cardboard. But ninety percent of it is, is garden rubbish, um, which normally so you, normally there's a there's a queue sort of hundred yards long for the tip at weekends with cars mm. just full of garden rubbish and, you know, twigs sticking out the back window and whatever. Yeah. Well, we, do, we have, um, I, I, we have garden recycling where I am, you know, um, garden waste recycling. So yeah. Okay. It's just, yeah, it's just, we are just, you know, so that's not an excuse in your neighbor's case. Then. No, no. Just oh, okay. burning, um, you know, that they're, they're, they're so I think there's some crazy pyromaniacs around here anyway. But uh, it, it, <laughs> and then you can't even have the windows open. Not that I can no, open no. anyway because of the pollen. It just happened to be, I think they say it was the 
highest pollen levels yeah started recording them in the 50s or whenever it was so, badly affected by it yeah really yeah. yeah so it's just yeah it's just been a it's been a crazy time and and as i say as bees was saying there's no there's no football there's no my my weeks i would probably spend four days of a week indoors anyway but yeah. then I'd get out three days a week and at the moment i'm it's just yeah what day is it i've got i've got no you know all the days are just merging into into one um and there's no football um although i know as um you know speaking to someone at liverpool who's saying that the government are keen um to get you know the, the government seem to want to get the the, the football back yeah uh, not crowds by the sounds of it but no yeah. no no so you know it, it could be but even then that's that's june isn't it they're talking about june, june. the six has been mentioned today yeah yeah, yeah. That, that definitely seems to be as i say if, if the government are, are, are keen um presumably the clubs will then be keen but then it depends if the players you know are some players going to be keen are some players not going to be keen you know was... lots of questions isn't there they're not even sure whether they're going to do it at each individual ground. No, the clubs either. No. They might, they might, they might just be sending them to like three centralised areas, like St George's Park, where they've got lots of isolated pitches and massive hotel facilities, um, and where they can deep clean it. Yeah, with um, the same kind of mm. staffing level. So they're, they're not even sure. And then, and then clubs are saying, well. I'm not even sure we want to finish a season just playing in neutral grounds. Yeah, that's it's right. Not, it's some opposition that, to that, that takes away the integrity of the competition itself because you've had 29, 30 games or whatever it is uh, with with home and away proper venue, proper crowds, and then just suddenly we're just going to have kind of a training game yeah. at yeah. St George's Park. So you can see you can see the issues with that. Yeah. It will feel it will feel like training games. I think and the the, the I didn't watch the Italian one behind closed doors, but you know I can imagine it just being very hugely underwhelming. But at the same time, it kind of it, it does all need tying up, doesn't it? So and yeah, yeah. Um, watching that would be better than watching you know endless endless repeats because you know even 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 you know so many TV programs aren't even being made now. Sort of so no, you know, that's right. No. They give us something to watch. Bees, I wanted to speak of the TV programs as, as the lo- as, as the lockdown was as the lockdown was starting nice, as the lockdown was starting. Nice link. <laughs> yes, please. As the lockdown was starting, you was uh, crowned Connect champions, only Connect champions. So, do you want to? Have you been watching reruns? What have you been doing to celebrate such a momentous occasion? I know it's kind of strange doing something as momentous as that and not even being able to go and sort of celebrate or anything about it is quite strange but um, I think I should probably be in the running for sports personality of the year this year because nothing <laughs> else has really happened yeah I think I might be yeah but Frank I thought Franke was particularly impressive yes yeah no I mean um, Andrew and Frankie are um, really really high level quizzes you know I'm sort of I'm handy to have on your team in a pub quiz, but they are sort of—they are much, much, much better than me. So, bees, bees. So you're yeah. saying that you are the you are the Dejan Lovren of of the 007s? <laughs> Essentially, but I don't think I made any mistakes quite that bad. But no, you know, no, okay. I, I, you know, I, I know I am the sort of junior junior partner in that in that team, but um, I was I was just quite good because obviously they they know lots of things just straight away, like you know, presidents and prime ministers and 
royal lines of succession and all this sort of stuff that I don't. So I sort of thought, well, I'll try and learn how the show works and watch loads of old episodes. So I became quite good at sort of spotting connections, like, oh, this could be this. And then they might have the knowledge to sort of fill in the gap and things like that. So, um, so you kind of team. you did a bit of a Billy Bean on it then, did you? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, your money. Bump. But it's interesting actually because they've um, they brought out a an Only Connect book, well, a second one. There was already one, and in the back it had all sorts of statistics about the average points on different questions and how often teams overturn it in the missing vowels round and stuff like that. I think if I'd have known all that, I'd have been far calmer at the recording, sort of like, oh, we've got this. It's fine. We're ahead. We've got it. You know. Yeah. And it gets turned over once every twelve games or something like that. You know. So. Um, yeah, it's quite interesting to see all the sort of statistics and stuff. And I was sort of, as the series went along, kind of keeping a track of the scores from every game to see how we compared to the other teams. Because you don't play all the teams. It's a knockout thing. It's not like a league. So there's some teams you never meet, you never play, you're sort of wondering, oh, how do we compare against them? But, um, yeah, so, yeah, it was great. I mean, it's just a brilliant experience. And, you know, our aim was genuinely, we thought, well, if we, if we win an episode, then that's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And then as it... As it goes along, you're like, actually, we are quite good at this. And, you know, it's sort of like, well, like knockout football, you know, it's sort of five games to, to win it. You know, you don't have to uh, necessarily be the best team overall. You just have to win your five games. And, yeah. uh, and that's what we did. So, um, yeah. And then had to keep quiet about it for almost exactly a year. I was going to say, when, when was it recorded? The first episode we did was on my birthday actually um last year and then we had to go back for a week uh, well four days in april um of last year and it basically worked that you went on the first day and if you won you stayed overnight and if you lost you went home so you're basically playing for your place in the competition and you know you stay a maximum of four days and obviously we ended up staying the whole four days so it was i think it was the 10th of april was the final it was the day after uh, liverpool beat porto 2-0 at anfield last season Oh, okay. that, was the, that was the day of the semi-final. So we'd won the semi-final. Andrew and I went to the pub in the evening to watch that Porto game. And then, yeah, the following day after that was the, was the final. And to have, to have two, two um, Tompkins Times scribes win that, that was yeah. quite... Um, yeah, that's good. Well, exactly. I mean, I didn't... I wouldn't have... If it weren't for Tompkins Times, I wouldn't even know him. You know, that's how we met, was from... Uh, both being subscribers on there and then um, being part of the sort of London group of people who met up to watch um, matches. So, I mean, our team genuinely wouldn't exist um, without it. I mean, I think Andrew and Frankie would uh, still know each other and still have gone on there because it was their idea to go on as well. But, um, yeah, I I wouldn't know him if it wasn't for Tompkins' time. So, um, yeah, TTT has uh, created a team of only Connect champions, which is pretty cool. We have our uses. Not many, but we, we it should got. go in the trophy cabinet, the Tompkins Times trophy cabinet, don't yeah. they? Yeah, that yeah, the only uh, the only thing in there though, mate. That's I'm, more than Everton have won in the last twenty true. years, whatever, so you know. True. Yeah, they'd be on an open top bus now if they'd won that. Yeah, we've, exactly. only, we've only been going eleven years as well, whereas they've been going a bit longer. As um as night turns today, we knew we were going to get a stats roundup of Only Connect victory <laughs> from Bees, didn't we? Had to happen. We knew we would be on the stats behind. I'll, uh, I'll email you my spreadsheet later, mate. You can have a look at it's all on there. Absolutely. I'm just terrified, terrified by the prospect of Andy and Frank, Andrew and Frankie's um, tea time conversation over the, you know, <laughs> the, the level of the, the intelligence just left me open mouth, I have to say. Like, yeah, how on earth? I mean, it must be three series since I actually answered something. 
<laughs> occasional um, connecting wall. Just occasionally I've got that, but yeah. that's it. All the other stuff, I can't see a connection at all. <laughs> Amazing. I wanted to, I wanted, I wanted to ask you, Chris, because look at these links I'm doing. In terms of intelligence and comments, yeah. How how good has the TTT community and some particular individuals been since the lockdown started? And we've been hearing all sorts well, of stories. And... I'll tell you. I'll tell you now. There is no other source of information, either breadth of information, um, worldwide sort of perspectives. There's no there's no greater source of information. Um, you know, most of the stuff you get in this country is UK centric, for a start off. And usually agenda beset. So I think for depth and for breadth of coverage, I think it's been the place to to look. I've I've found stuff there that I haven't found anywhere else. It's it's quite a the I guess the interesting thing, um, I, you know, we we don't have obviously full time journalists writing about you know no. about, about coronavirus, but. You think you said that about the the breadth. I guess it's quite an interesting. I mean, maybe other websites. There sure there'll be other websites out there, but because of the global nature of Liverpool and the support yeah. and the subscribers, so we've got we'd have had people that have in different countries at different times that have had yeah. the virus. We've got people reporting on their experience. Then you've got, yeah. um, and we've got some. Um, got a few PhDs on there, some professors, somebody yeah. professor in biology. Yeah. Um, and then um, we've had frontline doctors on there. So that's quite, that's quite a surprise yeah, for me. You, you kind of, you know, I, I know, I knew that there were some smart people that subscribe, but, you know, just weird things like, yeah, the doctors giving their updates on, yeah, yeah. on what it's like. And also just the massive sort of, the spread of political opinions on yes. the site is a, is really broad, and we uh, my policy is normally to try and keep politics out of it as much as possible because it's one thing. It's hard enough to get a group of Liverpool fans that don't aren't arguing amongst themselves about various issues because you know it's the um, what's the, the the term the, the um, what's the narcissism of um, yeah. Of small, of minor differences. Yeah. And so you know that that the reason why factions split off into different factions is because everybody then disagrees on the minor details and all this kind of stuff. So try and keep politics off the site where, whenever possible, apart from, you know, like we had we had some great chats around Brexit, but then we kind of like we had to sort of shut that down to move on and to. Oh, I remember Brexit. Yeah. Yeah. Those 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 heady <laughs> days. But it, but it's kind of it's interesting to to, to be able to have um, the, you know the the discussion of people with very different political views and it generally stay very respectful. Um, whereas you know if it was on social media, it would just be people in their yeah. bubbles. Yeah. And then and and because something I was listening to recently, they were talking about what why there is so much kind of disagreement and to, is that you don't uh, on social media and a lot of places where people argue argue very vehemently over stuff is that they have no actual relationship to yeah. people. That relationships are kind of like the key to understanding other people's point of view and yeah 
And I think that even if people don't know each other personally on the site, there is the kind of the relationship that A, you kind of respect the site and B, you know, people do kind of, you know, get a sense of what other people are about. And as long as there's no kind of name calling and stuff like that, then you yeah, can actually, yeah. and it's, it's opened my eyes to sort of different critical views that I still don't necessarily agree with, but at least, you know, you can see where people are coming from, which if I was, if it was on Twitter, you, you know, you don't have the time to see where someone's coming from because it's just like, you, they're so angry, you get so angry, everybody's angry. Um, so yeah, so it's been quite, um, it's been nice, but you know, it's another thing for me to be proud of. And even though I didn't specifically set it up this way, it's just kind of like one of the, one of the weird quirks of how the site has developed really. I think it's a byproduct of it though, isn't it? You know, it's sort of attracted a certain kind of person and, and the, the level of debate is, is, is quite frankly astounding at times. Um, you know, the, the intelligence of the of the debate as well. And and also the length of some of the points. You know, people mm. who exist on Twitter are just not accustomed to that length of argument. It's how it's how the world used to be once, I think. People used it's, to actually take a while to make a point and argue it and people respond and think about it. You know, and I think that that level of debate is has become unusual. That we that we take for granted on our side. Do you not find the weird thing? I don't know if other people are finding this, and I'll, I'll ask you guys. How interested in football are you actually right now? Um, I want that nineteenth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you, that's that's my driving force. Um, are you, are, you know, are you are you reading a lot about football? No. no. And do you want to read a lot about football at the moment? I mean, obviously, we want Particularly, to. Particularly, um, although. You know, some of the stuff we've been doing, obviously, it's not related to live events. It's, you know, it's more contemplative, as is the one that's just gone on today, you know, the Tony's second part about football finances. And that, that sort of thing, you know, which is not time critical, it's not linked to mm. a match or a stage in a season or whatever. Um, I think, this, you know, I'm still quite happy to read that. Um, but that's, you know, pretty much all there is to read and sort of BBC endlessly contriving ways to have a vote and a competition and mm. you know and a quiz what, a, um, what, a, what about transfers um that's weird because that that doesn't seem to respond to coronavirus at all but don't <laughs> it, you, just it just carries you, on like nothing happened do you not feel do you feel interest i i i have got absolutely no interest in who liverpool supposed to be buying who they might be selling as long as it all happens after you know i want you know i don't want anybody moving before the season no, is no is, i agree i really I, I don't you know and i don't know how clubs are even going to have the money no, uh, no. Uh, um there's actually something that's i got sent something that a press release that has been that is embargoed until tomorrow i believe um Tomorrow's Wednesday, is that right? It is. It, is. Uh, yeah. it could be tomorrow. Could be Sunday. Uh, I've got no idea. Yeah. But it, yeah. it, it it ranks Liverpool as the fourth most valuable club in the Premier League. Can you guys guess who it ranks as the most expensive, the most valuable club in the Premier League? Um, must be Man City, presumably. Second. Yeah. I would. I would say. Oh. Arsenal. No, fifth. <laughs> Spurs, Spurs, really? Spurs. Mm. Now this is this this is from um, one of the Liverpool universities, and I read it and I just kind of thought, 
these people have spent all this time doing all this work and there is absolutely no coronavirus you know yeah. brought into any of the valuations it's all based on last year's accounts based on wage bill to turnover based on various things they, they end up valuing spurs at over two billion um pounds the stadium as well but i was kind of thinking well who knows how, how much any player is worth right now you know yeah well that's that's true which is something the transfer gossip hasn't taken any account of whatsoever by the way but um yeah yeah if you if you were looking to buy Spurs as a football club, would you expect to pay more for that than you would for Liverpool if you were trying to buy Liverpool? I, I again, I've got I've got no idea. You know, as I say, I think Man United were third, we were fourth. I, you know, Spurs most valuable. I mean, you know, it nah. just seems it, it seems a bit a bit crazy. But I guess a lot is based on the on the worth of the stadium and um, yeah, degree of whiteness of the kit. Yes, no, that's all. <laughs> they're, they're, they're well ahead on that on that on that stake. And being in London, the, uh, it always comes up. Being in London as well, of course. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, but, but it just it just struck me that they, you know reading this press release and, the, and there's and it's kind of like it makes no mention of the fact that well actually since this, since you know since we did all this work the, the the you know the market has you know the bottom has fallen out of the of the football market quite a lot of clubs are now hemorrhaging sort of millions if not tens of millions of pounds a week you know um, yeah you, i mean the next tv deal is you know it's going to be interesting because um you know we don't even know what the next season's going to be like if if the, this season is finished it's all played behind closed doors and actually it turns out to be quite dull and um you know soulless playing at st george's park or wherever you know on these big yeah. tra- big cut of you know cavernous training yeah, yeah. what's the you know what we don't know what the future um of the game is going to be like so no no absolutely but anyway yeah. um there's a thing i'm just talking about that there's a piece on the site today somebody linked to an interview with fabio capello oh, okay. um and he was basically saying that only real madrid in la liga uh, really has any financial future you reckon that barcelona and atletico and everybody south of that was basically not going to make it why only, only Real Madrid would survive. Why Real Madrid and not Barcelona? <laughs> that I don't know. I didn't um, quite ga- gather that from Capello's logic, but he, he said that only Real Madrid were likely to survive financially um, this lockdown. Because they're propped up by the state. Well, they, 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 oh, always, yeah. they always find money from somewhere, don't they, Real Madrid? Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, the council, the council buying the uh, yeah. training ground off them for four hundred million or whatever it was. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's a little bit extreme from Capello. I think Barcelona yeah. have got yeah, a massive, a massive valuation. But I think they're they're in a mess as a club. I just think you're writing off transfers too easily because you've clearly not read Beezer's piece from last week where we did a yeah, whole, yeah. where we did a whole new eleven. Of yeah. potential signings using the smarter scout. A few surprises too. Can I just say <laughs> I used three of them in my uh, fun in my football manager game against my son in a game we had against each other and beat him. So oh. appreciate that. Oh, you're very welcome. That. That's, what I, that's what I was aiming for, really. The football manager crowd, you know. <laughs> but it's it's a strange, you know. It's like what is the what are the you know what are the valuations of players now? When is the transfer window going to be? You know what's going to be in yeah. in contracts. I mean, I still Liverpool players still haven't taken 
a pay cut or a deferral and lots of other clubs either are or you know starting to happen but i was just just thinking how how does it work how do you have a transfer kitty when you're paying players based on income that you were getting that you're not no longer getting anymore so it just see you know I, i think you know some smaller transfers will will happen certainly but I, I just I just can't I can't see many clubs committing to the big hundred million and and uh, looking at the having done the transfer price index stuff with Graham Riley you know when we look looked at the average value of, of players the average cost of a Premier League player it went you know it, it, it's gone up by about 25 times what it was in 1992 93. But there have been periods such as when ITV digital collapsed in 2001 or two, whenever that was, that, uh, and also the global financial crisis 2007-2008. Both those times, the average cost of a Premier League player went down. Now, this is a much bigger financial, um, you know, nightmare than than either of those situations. So again, who decides how much? how much players are worth. I mean, obviously, players are worth what people bid for them, what people accept for them. But the, that that whole the whole kind of framing and the whole the anchoring in your head that what you think a player is worth, it was just, I think I was looking, like, like Raheem Sterling, when he went to Man City, that was for £50 million. Pounds. But in 2020 money, before, before the, you know, <laughs> they were talking in January when 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 the world was still kind of fairly normal. His yeah. value was over that that fifty million equated to over a hundred million. So yeah. it could be that hundred million pound players in in this in the next transfer window are suddenly back to being fifty million pound players, if that makes sense. I wonder who's got going to have fifty million even. Well, even you know. yeah, exactly. I said that on the site. You know, fifty million is a big. They were talking about Timo Werner, weren't they? People. Yeah, saying, yeah. He, you know, he, he's got a release clause of fifty million, and that's cheap. But fifty million was a lot cheaper when players were going for 100, 150 million. You know. Yeah. If play, if, if now the most expensive players are going for fifty million, then suddenly Timo Werner is as, as expensive as anyone else. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the funds can't get into yeah, the absolutely. ground. If the fans can't get into the ground till the start of the 21-22 season, it's just unthinkable the possible impact that might have on clubs and how how do they possibly deal with it? I just I just can't comprehend how they'll even be considering huge transfer fees or even maybe transfers at all. If you don't know when the season's going to start, how can you possibly try and understand what, yeah. what the yeah. future would be for the players? It just... I mean, if clubs are losing vast sums of money on a weekly basis, it's million, then... it's millions per game. It's not, mm. it's not, um, you know, you, you could have two games a week, couldn't you? Two, some weeks you'll have two home games a week. It's not, it's not the TV, the TV money. The other, the other issue, obviously, is that if is the next TV deal either gets renegotiated, it, it's bigger because there's some kind of new, kind of global, you know. Expanse, but generally you would expect the TV money to be lower next time, especially if there's mm. not going to be if there's not going to be crowds, you know, and it's going to be a worse spectacle. I mean, one of the things I made when I was arguing that why why Liverpool furloughing the staff 
made sense on a lot of levels and although i can see why people disagree with it but the 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 point of that was that the clubs are so are run on such not say fine margins but the amount that goes out is pretty much everything that comes in and it all goes to players agents you know liverpool's wage bill was was like 300 million pounds a year around that sort of figure and and you know, if the money isn't coming in, if if, yeah. if there's a shortfall of 50 million and you're kind of pretty much, you know, close to breaking even, because, and as I say, other clubs have said this, that, you know, there was one Premier League club talking about it the other day, I can't remember who, but just saying that, you know, pretty much every penny that comes in goes out. And so yeah, yeah. there is no contingency and no. Like Liverpool make a profit in the transfer market or from a Champions League run, that goes into increased wages and or um transfer fees so we don't get to see that when it's with wages we don't sort of hear about it but players contracts you know they're 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 being raised uh, um so i'm getting flashing warnings here um so you know so it's kind of yeah plus the fact that presumably like liverpool and all other clubs are actually running up a deficit every you know on a monthly basis right now eating eating away any fat that they did have um because their running costs are continuing, but their income has virtually ceased. Um, so, so, so they're basically spending, you know, they're living off their hump, as it were. And once the hump's yes. gone, you know, and I, and I don't um, think, I don't think many clubs have much of a hump no. to start with. This is no, is, exactly, you know. So I think, you know, when you come to transfers, um, I think it'll also be driven by the fact that there'll be a lot of supply. I think a lot of clubs will think we've got to get some money, and we're going to have to flog some of our players. Some of our best players, maybe half of them, you know. Um, but then, who's going to be buying? It's like well, they, they, but that, that'll drive the uh, the prices would have been down anyway. But I think that'll add to the fact mm. that the prices are being driven down, and there'll be a glut of supply and a lack of, and a, you know, a complete absence of demand. So a team, <laughs> you know? a, a club like Burnley, that were talking about, um, you know, um, losing fifty million or something from the from the rest of this season, yeah. um, are they going to then have to sell? all their players but again then who can afford to buy them this is it's kind of like you know yeah yeah but any when any market seems to grind to a halt it's like well how does it restart um i know people um you know my, my sister's had to give notice on her, uh, her renting her house because she can't afford to stay living in there and um and i was kind of saying well who's gonna come in and take yes quite you know <laughs> who, who, who can who can move in do you know what i mean mm, so yeah. you know it's with a lot of things i just think you know the, the the dynamics of 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 something like the transfer market when it grinds to a halt like this how does it get started again who decides how much they're going to offer for players now who, you know if burnley are, are desperate for money and have to start offloading everyone at uh, you know their players for a few million quid because they can't afford the wages. Who's going to be buying them? You know yeah, because know. the kind of clubs that would buy players from Burnley are going to have their own problem. In the same boat. Yeah. So, they wanted. They wanted to sell. I, I, I think. I think one of the solutions is going to have to be players taking a pay cut equivalent of the revenue that you earn on a match day. So whatever is it? So so some clubs. Like um, in London, they they get a big chunk of their revenue percentage is is the match day because they're charging hundred pound a ticket like Arsenal and Spurs now. 
Whereas it's a little bit different for some other clubs like Man City maybe or Liverpool, where it's Liverpool's is increasing, so it's a bigger proportion what, now than what it what was, is, but it's not quite the level. I, I wish I had the... Um, figures to hand. It was Swiss... What's he oh, called yeah, the guy on Twitter? He, he, he would have, he's definitely got them yeah. on there. But, um, is it about 10% so, or something, you know? I don't th- no, I think ours is more than that. Maybe 30% maybe. From match day? Is, is from, ma- from match day and merchandise yeah. the, surrounding yeah. match day. Yeah, merchandise. So, if, so then Liverpool players would have to take, th- if, if it is 30%, 30%. If it's 60%, it's 60%. Mm. So some championship players, some League One players, because that's all they're getting, basically, because mm. there's no broadcast deals. They will have to take 90% pay cuts. Mm. Because if there's, no, if there's no fans going, they can't pay them. So it's either you take a 90% pay cut and carry on and we play behind closed doors, or you haven't got a job. Yeah, this, well, this is, you know, um, the one one thing I found interesting about the, um, the Premier League, and obviously Jordan Henderson was a big driver in this, and I think, you know, it's great that... You know, he he was sorting out to, to, to make sure that money went to the NHS. Um, you know, and that's great. But it, it, the, the the notion I read was that players were worried that that clubs would that would end up spending this money in the transfer market. But I was kind of thinking, well, that a if they did spend money in the transfer market, they'd just be spending money on players, and players and agents would be taking that money. Um, and there seems to be this perception that the clubs have all this money sloshing around, but it but it has already kind of pretty much been uh, directed, you know, via contracts, five-year contracts for players. It's their, do you, do you know what I mean? They're the, the players yeah. are the ones, it's not, it's not their, you know, I'm not blaming them for taking the money out of the game, but that's where the money, that's where the money goes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and so, and if, if a club, another club, buys a player with that money then that money is going like i say to the to the to, to go to another club and with that that next club will buy another player with it and so it's all even if they're all buying players all the money is just getting shunted to within the game gets recirculated until it gets to the agents and the players themselves at which point it goes out of the game yeah. so it's, it's it's just a really complex um situation and you know i, I I don't think, you know, I wouldn't expect major clubs are going to be on the brink of folding, but I would expect a lot of a lot of smaller ones might be. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be like a really interesting one for Liverpool as well, because if you think like, if we sort of assume for now that maybe not that many transfers are going to get done or not many big transfers, well, Liverpool didn't really buy anybody last summer either. And it's not like their right. squad needs like a massive overhaul and, and most of the players are sort of still fairly young. So it doesn't matter in that sense. But all of a sudden, two years could have passed where Liverpool have barely bought anybody of note, um, perhaps Minamino and maybe someone comes in this summer. But, you know, all of a sudden they've, they'll have had a quite a long gap without really refreshing the squad. So I don't think they're going to have a massive problem immediately, but it's just something that, that, that could be a factor sort of further down the line. Well, just on that, that's interesting because... Not buying anybody last summer, I thought was a really good move because of, um, you know, been looking a lot into the, to the psychology of teams and how keeping a team together is better. And in football, we kind of increase his understanding. And it was good for Liverpool because none of the key players were, were over the hill. And the average age of the team was, you know, under 26 last season, 
Whereas this season, yeah. the average age is kind of, you know, just over 20, so it's 26 and a half. So if you if you then go to the next season with the same squad, it's going to be average age 27 and a half. Then you're, you're then over the, the curve of the ideal age for a team. And you could probably keep that going for a while, but then you can end up, you know, like Chelsea and Man City have more recently, where you end up with a team average age of 29. And then suddenly that, that you might have some youngsters in there, but suddenly you'll have five or six players that are, the, are well the wrong side of 30. And then, you know, um, so yeah, it's a really interesting point, Bees, because obviously when we were planning this, you, you know, it's like nobody, you could, you could argue that in January, people maybe should have started to foresee it. But, but even then, the only thing I remember from the January transfer window was the joke that that, that United were buying Igalo to to you know to bring coronavirus to and and to and to stop the Premier League. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> which which has kind of indirectly happened. Um, but yeah, it's like, so there was no. Do you know what I mean? So plan, whilst this was always a remote or reasonably remote possibility, you can't really plan a year in advance of something like this can you no no maybe maybe you could argue obviously the hospital should be stockpiling um ppe and whack and ventilators and things but a football club can't think well you know what, what if in a year's time the entire you know the entire yeah yeah is is like i i just i just think it illustrates um the level of quicksand that the football industry has been running on oh, for a long time, completely. and uh, the lack of foundation is gonna is gonna cost it hugely. The desire and the demand for fans, particularly in top clubs, to spend all they've got. Of course, Arsenal would have liked to have had a nice cash reserve, huge cash reserve. Now that would have helped them out, um, but they had to go and fluff it on a lot of players, apparently, oh. from the fan. And we're all respond. We've all said it at times. I guess we have. You know, we're not as as guilty as many yeah. football fans in the in the particularly in the Twitter sphere. But um yeah, I just think, you know, the sustainability of lower league clubs from mid championship down is is frightening. Do you think that um people will change and then think well actually we got in you know, say we get in a hundred million it returns to normal and you're getting a hundred million from sales uh, in in a summer. Do you think fans will be thinking actually keep fifty million of that in the bank? You know, and this is one of the issues I had with the game with the furloughing. He's like, no fan ever wants, no fan ever says, look, we have to have a lot of savings. Do you know what I mean? No, yeah. Just in case, because it's it's almost like a crime for a club to keep mm. savings, even if they're not, you know, they're not keeping it to gain interest on that money. They're keeping it because, you know, for for a kind of a black swan event. So, you know, it's... Yeah. My, my thoughts were, I, I kind of disagree with you a little bit on this. Mainly because, and it's it's as the time was passing and as we was learning about mm. it, Daniel Levy did it with Spurs pretty quick, and I just thought it was terrible at the time. Yeah. The, the the death figures were rising. It's it was just as the lockdown was happening. I just once it was announced, it was like ten days later. I'm just like, oh, Daniel Levy, that looks like terrible profiteering just mm. to try and save your ass. And then as things developed. It, and then Liverpool did it. I just thought, oh. <laughs> so I thought that about Daniel Levy. I, I, that it just doesn't feel right to me. I would have, I think the club should have got together and said, right, we'll leave it until the end of April, and then 
come May the 1st, because of the lack of revenue, we're all going to do it together, including Man City, including mm. Norwich. All the teams do it together. Maybe all the teams in, I don't know which clubs are doing it from the Championship down, but and then, and then everyone does it together. And I think fans would accept it because they would start to realise that they'd have learned that fans aren't going to be in the grounds for 12 to 18 months. They'd learn that there might not be a transfer. They'd learn that seasons might be getting cancelled like the, like in the Dutch league. And then you understand it and you understand the context better. It just felt like the timing was wrong. Yeah. Not, partic- not particularly the, the idea of it. I wonder how many divisions there are going to be in the future as well. Are there going to be four leagues in the professional game in England? I'd be very surprised if there are. It feels... it. It's always felt slightly... You know, it's part of the tradition, isn't it? And if it's your club, you wouldn't want your club to go. No, um, no. I know a Berry fan who's yeah. still, you know. But then, how to... many? You know, how many in in a fairly small, not small, but you know, sixty odd million people? Each, I mean, how? Not to be too sort of survival of the fittest about it, but how? You know, how many clubs? Are needed or, or are sustainable? Do you know what I mean? It does. It that's seems a, like they're. Yeah. That's a different question. Sustainable. Especially, yeah. especially in the modern age, where you know, you you if you lived near Bury, you know, hundred years ago, you would go and watch Bury. You couldn't do anything else, could you? Know, you know, you could travel further um, yeah. to watch another club, but then you know, you didn't have the transport transport infrastructure. Now yeah. you don't. You know, and you've got people like us that. Um, support clubs from cities we're not even from that's the way that's only the way it's going to go in, increasingly isn't it so well it certainly will if the others disappear yeah yeah <laughs> um, i mean yeah you know, um, and then does this all then push everything towards more of a super club kind of well it does i mean remember once the way the way that it was funded was that you know that structure was was kind of funded by by the richer clubs Mm. I think the, the way they used to do it, all 92 clubs paid all their gate receipts into a pot and all 92 yeah. clubs received, uh, put 10% of it, sorry, into a pot or whatever it was, I think it was 10%. Mm. Then that total was divided 92 ways equally so that Liverpool and Man United were putting in a lot more than yeah. the lower clubs who were, t- who were net gainers and Liverpool, United and Co were net losers. Um, but it, it kept... the you know, the, the pyramid afloat, if you like, if the pyramid can float. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> bear with me. But, um, <laughs> but obviously that, that, that finished some time ago. Um, yeah. uh, the advent of the Premier League certainly finished that kind of uh, um, altruism off, if you like. So yeah. from that moment on, I think, you know, the days were numbered. I think the amazing thing is that there are still so many still around. But... They haven't had anything like this to contend with, you know. And the likes of Rochdale, you know, mm. basically the only way they, they survive is, is a, you know, what they take on the, the gate and a few pie sales the, on the, Saturday. The uh, interesting thing is, when you think about it, is that it's like how football is competitive. and But it's not just the teams within the leagues that are competitive. It's also the leagues themselves. Yeah that are competitive and like La Liga is trying to find ways to kind of overtake the Premier League and yeah. the Premier League wants to to be the best product for this reason and that reason and and it's kind of like if you if the Premier League gave more money to lower down 
the ranks, they would argue that then they're distilling the quality of the Premier League. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of got these two competing um, sort of ecosystems in a way. And um, I've got I've no. I, I, I think the English football. Um league system and the, even to an extent long, non-league system more particularly in the last 20 years is is one of its best things because Halifax Town, my dad's team went out of business for, what 15 years ago, completely new club so they were Halifax Town, now they're FC Halifax mm. and, they, and now, now they only exist on the basis of they've got 1300 fans who pay the gate receipts they don't they don't get very they, virtually nothing broadcasting mm. Talking, you're talking really low, tens of thousands, if anything, and and they just now exist non-league. So the the players that they've got are part time, yeah. maybe one or two professional players. They're paying the wages that they can afford, and so they went out of business in a with an unsustainable model of a club. But now they've come back, and there's so many examples of it. Mm. And and yeah. you've even got you've even got the Man Cities of the non-league and the lowest pyramids, the Salfords, the you know teams that have had massive in financial yeah. investment um, and and they dominate the league. So it just depends, one, where the finances come from, but two, cl- clubs are part of communities and they do come back in different forms because they go out of business and then they just come back and they can only succeed and come back when they've got the money because it's usually the fans that are on the board again because they're the ones that are paying the money in. But it needs fans to go at any level, and I was talking about this on the women's game, if you know they, if the women's if if people aren't going to watch the women's game then that's then that's a problem and it's the same with lower down yeah. the league you know the, the people have to want to go and watch at any level don't they so you know that's and and it's great if there are you know lots of smaller clubs that are that are sustainable and that have enough fans to make them them viable then that's then that's great the trouble is if the fans stop going then it's really hard to to then say, well, that's a, you know that club should never have gone gone under if no one was yeah, going, yeah, if yeah. no one's going to support them and watch them, and you know, and, yeah, and, it's, it's a shop that no, it's a shop that nobody shops in, isn't it? Exactly, yeah, exactly. You, know, you can't you, know. you can't just keep keep it open with no with no fans there and no, you know, so no, no, it's got to be self supporting to that, you know, yes. that, yeah, yeah, and how many are? I wonder, you know. Um, how many big names? It's not just the obvious one. It's not just the Rochdales and so that, that I think are, are threatened here. You know, I think there are some some bigger names lurking. You know, with, with who are financially um, unstable. The, the, um, thinking about it, the championship could be interesting because they always talk about how championship teams overspend in in an effort to get mm-hmm. onto the gravy train in the Premier League. Um, but obviously. I don't know about the finances of Leeds or Nottingham Forest particularly, but, you know, if those clubs will presumably rely more on match day income than TV income because the TV deals aren't as good down there. Yeah. Um, and so what what's happening with those now? You know, are they kind of, is there an existential threat for... for yeah, I would say for, so. You know, um, so that way, you know, it's just on so many levels again maybe they'll have to sell players to to stay afloat who buys those players you know it's suddenly you can have a market that's flooded um and but nobody you know one of the things where nobody can 
buy anybody because nobody can sell anyone. But we'll sure well, of course, if, if you're desperate, then then the price of your, your assets drop. So, you know, people will be buying the decent players from, you know, stricken clubs. What was uh, it? Knock down prices, you know. What was it? So, the word Solskjaer used? Did he? Oh, yeah. What uh, was it? There was something was it, really cynical phrase. Was, that yeah. meant it, but, um, Profit from or something. Like, I can't remember. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was thinking of, of clubs like, like Birmingham City, who are, you know, a second city club and have been Premier League plenty of times. And, you know, their, their finances are said to be, um, you know, shrouded in mist, shall we say. Yeah. Um, they they could be one of the sort of casualties. It doesn't have, it doesn't have to be Rochdale's and so on. Um, Sunderland, Villa, um, who spent an awful lot of money to to get in, you know once they got promoted. Mm. Yes. Um, Fulham last Villa year did their, the same thing. Um, you know. Villa with their lovely, lovely um, Perslow. Is, is <laughs> yeah. the yes. Yes. CEO. Thank goodness they've got some a safe pair of hands. <laughs> but their players have agreed to a to a, a cut or a deferral, haven't they? They have, yeah, yeah. But that, that's yeah, again, that's an indication, I think, of, um, of how yeah, bad things are. Yeah, of, of uh, trouble. Um, apparently, Wolves has been sort of propped up um, artificially. You know, they've you know, oh, well, they've certainly exceeded what comes in. Well, Wolves. I remember going to the Wolves game, the final game of last last season. Was it? Was it? it was uh, last season? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It feels like about five years ago. Yeah. The final game was. of last season. We were walking with the mates to the ground, and there was some really big-mouthed Wolves fan who decided to sort of tag along with us and started chatting away and. He was he was talking about how much money they've got. Their owners are some of the richest people in the world, and they're going to just throw yeah. throw money. I hadn't really thought about how much Wolves were spending at that point, but he was talking about oh they're going to outspend everyone and all this kind of stuff. And I was thinking, well, how are you going to do that with FFP? But you know, there's there's definitely something going on there. You know, yeah. some... there was a standing joke from um, everyone but Wolves fans at the time, Albion especially, that uh, last season Wolves. Pre-season, Wolves fans are absolutely convinced that Ronaldo is going to go there. Um, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, because he's bound to prefer Wolverhampton to Milan. Or, <laughs> you know. um, and the, but they were absolutely, you know, you're not joking, are you? you really, <laughs> yeah. they really, they really did believe that was going to happen. You know, so why are you going to pay someone? How are you going to pay his wages? You know, no, yeah. we're a rich club. Their, the wages, club, <laughs> their wages were 180 percent of the turnover. <laughs> Um, when they came up from the championship, 180. How can that? There you go. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. yeah. Thought... yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was going to say. Um, yeah. Talking about championship clubs going to the wall or whatever. There's a guy on um, Twitter, Kira Maguire, Price of Football, and um, I saw a graph he tweeted um, recently, and I've just pulled it up. It's championship wage to income um, figures from 2019, and there must be at least half the division are over 100. percent That's nuts. Reading, Reading are at the top or bottom, depending on your point of view. Two hundred twenty-six percent wage to income percentage. How, how is that allowed? How is that? I've no idea. You've got Villa one seven five because obviously this is twenty nineteen last season. Yeah. Uh, Wigan and Sheffield Wednesday one sixty eight hundred sixty eight percent. Derby County one sixty one. Norwich City one fifty two. I mean, there's like at the top there's Hull fifty one percent, Rotherham fifty six percent. But you've probably got at least well, well over ten teams that are over a hundred percent. Never mind at a sensible level like 
sort of 60 or 70. It's crazy. How, what is the FFP? I know that I, I, I used Leicester as when I was talking about having a go at Man City and um, financial fair play, and, and I used Leicester as a, as a kind of example of a team that hadn't spent much money in the Premier League when it won the title, although that's that was a kind of, again, that was a very rare thing. But I was kind of saying, well, they're a well-run club. And then people pointed out to me that they got um, various fines and things f- for their promotion season because they had overspent um, yeah. and been in breach of... It sounds, just sounds like everyone in the championship is just completely in breach of FFP in the hope that they get into the Premier League. And if they don't, then... How how are these teams surviving? You know what's going well, on. Yeah, I mean, Reading expenditure has gone up to fourteenth. Just to add to Beezer's Beezer's point from Kieran Maguire, he he does a podcast called The Price of Football, uh, hosted by Kevin Day. You definitely should listen to it. He's talking about all these things to do with FFP, mm. how champion, how, how um, which championship clubs have been banned in the past, for what, um, why championship clubs are getting away with it now. It's something to do with. You can mortgage the value of your ground Ugh. against against your um, turnover to add to the mm. the whole amount, which allows you to overspend on your wages. Um, it, he explains uh. it all, and I, I'm probably not doing it justice in terms of the accountancy jargon, but he explains it in a really clear way. He is an accountancy or finance um, mm. professor in Liverpool. Um, so yeah, oh, listen to that podcast. Send me the, and he explains it all. Send, I will do. Send the details for that. I mean, that just sounds. I mean, one of the does, things. Yeah. One of the things with FSG get a lot of stick, but the kind of they've got the 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 wages to turnover ratio down to what was always said to be the sustainable, sensible level, and and you know the one thing I've always wanted from the owners rather than winning the Champions League, winning the league, things that, uh, you know, that have happened in the last year and that were going to happen this year. The, the main thing is just not doing a Leeds United, I think, you know, just being being sustainable, being viable, being yeah. competitive. There's, there's a Dalek on the channel. Oh, Sorry, that was me sending a link to that tweet on the uh, Slack uh, just before uh, I forgot uh, to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, it, it's it, it's quite it's quite mad to think that outside the Premier League there are clubs that are just doing what sound like terrible financial it sounds like all those sort of financial chicanery that took place in the 2000s that led to the to the collapse you know all these sort of you know the 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 subprime market and all that kind of stuff that that it's a bubble that that you you and again i i in in my piece of last month where i kind of talked about for being a prep being a ponzi scheme it's not a ponzi scheme but it's not there's something there's something about it where the money you know the money coming in is you know there's something not quite right there who's yeah i think it you could you know the same accusation you could level about the the way that the fit and proper owner test is actually applied would would also would also apply to the finances and the running of clubs basically uh, you know it's, it's just it's just a free for all isn't it just what about do, do what you like you know we haven't even talked about newcastle and their you know, oh well, yeah. They're late. Is, is it Saudi Arabian? It's it's Amanda Stavely again, isn't it? That was in yeah. for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It is. Investment. It's the investment arm of the Saudi. Yeah. State, yeah. 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 So, oh, great. So yet yeah, more. Um, you know. More. The, the nice guy. The nice guy who killed the journalist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
That's just, you know, I don't know. Not selling too much oil, though, are they now? No, no. <laughs> you know. Um, that was quite that was quite amazing, but I don't think we can uh, discuss the oil markets. No, Not really. How weird was that? Minus they were paying forty forty cents a barrel. Yeah, or something. I bought to to you for taking I it. I bought loads. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Just... <laughs> <laughs> it's new investment. When when the markets come back up, Chris, you yeah. can you can invest in TTT with your billions. Does oil keep? I've got when you've got when you've got a barrel. No. A barrel of oil does it does it does it stay all right for not, like... not if you smoke no no, um, <laughs> no. Got a, a garage if you live in Leicester and put fires in your garden garage yeah. full of, garage full of crude and twenty grand in the bank <laughs> <laughs> I'll chuck them all over right. my neighbours final fi- final topic I'm going to start with bees because I think you created the first Spotify playlist of it bees. But it was it, Gary. Gary was the first one to post a comment about it, wasn't it? It was the top hundred albums. We're going to come on to Paul's uh, Opus Day article about it, but we'll start with you, Bees, because you've got the first playlist out. Well, I make countless Spotify playlists anyway, so it's like it was no hardship. The hardest part was sort of thinking of the hundred albums and sort of all these little um, uh, sort of rules I put in place that nobody told me I had to, but I did anyway. Like. No best ofs, no sort of live albums, oh, and not right. not sort of um, right. not strictly my hundred favorite albums. Otherwise, it'd be sort of ten David Bowie, ten Beatles, ten Super Furry Animals, and not much room for anyone else. So I sort of limited it, I think, to a maximum of three per artist. But of course, then I had a few Super Furry spin-off and solo albums. But that's all right; that's allowed. Um, so yeah, so I think it's just a really good um, thing in in this sort of time that we're living in. It's sort of um, a good thing to focus the mind sort of thinking of your favorite albums and things like that but um yeah well i mean what what gary's done i don't know quite how long the playlist is now but he was sort of taking um selections from everybody's um playlists everyone's top 100 albums and sort of adding 30 songs uh for each sort of person onto a gigantic sort of ttt playlist which probably runs for days by now but um 26 hours and 57 minutes there you go there you go so i think i think it's interesting i think i think a lot of people um sort of have broadly similar taste like i don't think anyone on ttt is necessarily going to say the beatles are rubbish or anything like that but it's sort of interesting to see the sort of outer reaches of everyone probably liking broadly the same sort of thing in the middle that everyone likes and then there's sort of the different things that you know sort of go off from that which might be similar and and you know some people have and some people won't so um yeah it's just uh, really really interesting well, it was I, actually yeah. just what i wanted to say just when you said about that bees is one thing i i liked i mean i you know there are some bands that i that i really hate but that other people love not many and there, there, are, there are a lot of bands that i don't that i don't understand i don't understand led zeppelin for example but i can understand that they're they're really talented and I can understand that they're really influential but when I listen to the music it doesn't something about it doesn't connect with me but and then there are other bands where I think oh the singer's a dickhead or something like that but on that it was really nice is that obviously people are sharing their favorite the music means most of them and then there weren't people on there going oh they're shit do you know what I mean it's like oh you know and it was kind of like actually looking through someone else's list and thinking people were picking out the kind of like the, the more surprising things on other people's lists that they themselves liked. Um, and I'm still, 
Oh, speaking of Amazon, that sounds like a delivery. <laughs> <laughs> and it won't, be for me. it won't be for me. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still shocked about like Jeff liking the Clash, and you know. Yeah, that that is a, um, that's a thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, could, could you know, image. It's, it's it's great that that there's you know, again, it was just something. You know, disagreement is is an important part of of discussion, but just kind of outright dismissal of what other people think, like, agree with, you know, is perhaps not the best approach to have. You know, you, you, you right. You put a comment about you know this is subjective. It can't be wrong. You know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's what they think. You can't. It, it's not. <laughs> you know. What do you think are the hundred? You know, what are objectively the hundred? Yeah, albums of, you know, and and you you would get all the sort of u- usual names and things like that. Yes, but yes. Su- subjectively, you know, um, I like some music that no other people I expect to like. Um, it was quite nice that one or two people liked some of my more obscure choices, and you know, um, yeah, it was again, it was another. You know, there's been so little. This is why I asked earlier about the football. There's been so little chat. It's mostly been about music and about COVID nineteen. Yeah, and. I don't personally have the appetite yet for football to return. And, I, you know, I'll get back into the mood and the mode of it. But actually, and again, this is a personal thing, uh, you know, the Klopp had made Liverpool so good and so successful that it was just exhausting. It was just, you know, two two years, the last previous two years, especially writing a book about last season, writing a book about this season, doing all the usual stuff, it's just so, so much football, so much high pressure football, so yeah, so many big yeah. games that I, I'd got to the point where I was actually looking forward to the end of this season just to just to sort of, de, you know, decompress. Um, I wasn't necessarily hoping for a, a, a global pandemic, but it was, you know, what I mean, it was it's we were we had um, plenty of must win shouts after winning. 26 out of 27 games yeah, still. Yeah. 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 <laughs> when we lost against Watford, it felt like the whole thing could collapse, you know, on some level. And, you you know, and then you start thinking, would this be the worst sort of, you know, um, you know, the worst, going from being the the, the, the record-breaking, um, most successful season in European history to if we threw it away, to then it would be like the worst, you know. And so you kind of, you know, the whole thing is even when you're successful, it's still incredibly stressful. And and I think it's just been quite nice, uh, uh, you know, a a positive to come out of this overall negative has been that we've been able to focus on other things. And for me, just to sort of clear my head of football for a while. And then, you know, because even pre-season, you don't get, especially when you're writing a book as well, and we're trying to get these books out in the summer, and then you know, then you've got the whole transfer thing, and then you've got pre-season, and there just is no, there's not much downtime anymore. And I know a lot of football writers have said the same that, you know, it's just constant, you know. And so for me, it's been, you know, it's been a little surreal in that, you know, I, I haven't been out to see what the world is like for myself outside, um, and so I'm in my little bubble, and it's been. You know, as I say, it's been quite, quite refreshing to take a break from mm. from the must win, the must win madness. Yeah, no, I agree. 
But I've, I've been pretty relaxed about it because I've ne- I actually didn't think we needed any more points even before we lost at Watford. I thought we've got enough already. <laughs> well, there's, no, there's no way they're going to City are going to get you know, 30 more points out of 10 games. Logically, we've got enough now. We can declare now. Yeah, logically, <laughs> logically, we, we, we had we had enough points about sort of five games before that, didn't we? Yeah, but, yeah we did. It's just, yeah. it's just like well, you know, until it's done. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, I think I think this season is arguably the most narrative-heavy season in the history of English oh, yeah. football. You've got yeah. you've got a team been waiting 30 years for a title. They go on a record. They, they set a 38-game streak of results. 110 points, was is, mm. is absolutely mm. off the scale. Um, and then... So they basically won it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then suddenly, yeah. from nowhere. Well, we say from nowhere, but there was a creeping sense of it, kind of, this, you know, from, from this, January onwards to March, wasn't there? This creeping sense. But, it, it's, but you could write the novel as, it's the it's the subconscious hatred of all the fans going, oh no, we've had this over these fans for years, just coming together to try and stop Liverpool from winning the title. Nothing could stop them. Yeah. Apart from something well, as well, it is. catastrophically, it's like having your, your main your main weapon being spiked, isn't it? It's you know? just like <laughs> it's the most memorable season, without doubt, isn't it? It's kind of like there will be no other. You know what I mean, even if this happens next, carries on into next season, it won't be as memorable because this was the season when it all hit. Yes. So you know, it's just been it's been insane and. And there's still the chance the Karen Brady's of this world that want the, the, the yeah. want the, the, the league null and voided and that that and then suddenly it was nothing. That, that's the, it's gone into thin air and you're thing. just like oh, that, that. That's what's getting me. I'm, I'm I'm chilled out about football at the moment because I'm not. It, that that ends it. For but me. That's, I couldn't yeah, carry that, on that, after that. That would be. That's when I start to get really into into football mode again. Was when I start thinking about that they could actually just take this all away from from. Liverpool and from other clubs that have achieved things this season, and that, and I just think, no, that's you know. But then again, I also think, do you know what I mean? It's like playing games at the moment. It doesn't feel right to be playing games either. So no, no. I'm afraid you also you've also t- tainted the word voiding for me, Paul, as well. So. Uh, <laughs> my, ba- my bowel voiding could, is the bowels only. I could ne- yeah. never go there again. Now. Talking, talking of which, sport is such a sport is nice such link. a wonderful. Is, it is. It is a wonderful escape. It, it's all it has always has been for me for, from things in life, and to not have any, and to have had such an amazing level of sport. Um, it, this is just it's, and then to have an ending where it's either null and void, so it didn't exist, or so you're just watching them do training matches yeah. at St George's Park. Well, I've just posted. And then, there's something just come out saying that there's um, literally nothing more depressing about that ending. The European <laughs> leagues have till the 25th of May to tell you either whether they want to complete or cancel. Oh dear. Um, well, we're gonna we're gonna can we're gonna can we're gonna carry on, aren't they? That's the plans in in. in a, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And we're we're a bigger we're a bigger sort of the the, the Dutch league has got a lot less money and therefore yeah, and the Belgian money. Is. Yeah. So we have, we know, we will, we will continue. But the one, the, one, the saddest, one of the one of the things is that if we do win it, it's like there, there will be no celebrations, no proper, you know, it, it, there'll be no fans in the stadium, there'll be no um, open bus tour. No. You know what I mean, it would just. It, but 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 at the same time, 
it will be done. Do you know what I mean? And that would be yes. Well, Nineteen will be in the record books, and yes. um, and my immediate neighbours are going to hear it. Queens, we are oh. the champions pretty damn loud, I can tell you that much. <laughs> and we will and we will have a parade just maybe in twenty twenty seven. And my flag will be hanging off the, off, the, uh, off the patio. <laughs> no, we're we're allowed to celebrate it in our homes. Absolutely. I'll be acting like a child, to be honest. Maybe we could get three quarters of a million Liverpool fans together and have a Zoom call. <laughs> All cheering on the, the training match in there. Well, we've 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 struggled. <laughs> Some random park in Birmingham. We struggled to get four people onto a um onto a onto a Skype sky call. <laughs> I'm not too hopeful. <laughs> Uh, is, that, delivery? Is, that, is that ding dong is that the end of the podcast that's a good way to finish this podcast I think that's the way they always end 40, yeah. 42 minutes cut it, cut it now <laughs> <laughs> cheers for your time everyone that was good I enjoyed that actually one was eyes bigger than your belly but the bell has gone for the end of the quiz and looking at the final scores finishing with 17 points the new champions of only connect are the 007s very well done to you suits you finished with nine there was some brilliant quizzing in that round and over the whole competition you look phenomenal thank <laughs> you so much for playing 007s you are our champions well done you've been the best this year it's thank a you. pleasure to see you win thank you, thank you. And now for the part you've all been waiting for, where I go over there and hand a strange object to some people in semi-darkness. It's a bit like a drug deal, but it's most people's favourite bit of the series. Thanks for watching the rest of it, though. Goodbye. <laughs>